Hi, and welcome to The Badass Moms, where we moms learn to achieve fitness and health goals despite being sleep-deprived and overworked. Here's your host, Nicole, the super busy mommy coach. Hello, and welcome to Badass Moms, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach. Uh, This is the second episode with Tyler Charlevoix. Uh, Before I introduce him, if you haven't already, make sure you check out superbusymommycoach.com to pick my brain, have a bunch of free content to help you on your journey towards fitness, towards health, and towards living a life that you absolutely love. And I'm also accepting applications for one-on-one coaching right now. Uh, The easiest way to apply is to just shoot me a DM. Just say, coach me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm at Super Busy Mommy Coach, and I'll go over everything with you, answer your questions, and see if you're a good fit. All right. Let me tell you a bit about Tyler. If you didn't listen to the previous episode, go back to that because that's where we spoke about why habits are 100% integral to everything you do. But anyway, Tyler is a peak performance coach specializing in helping people change their emotional and relationship habits. He's helped people from suicidal situations all the way to trying to find a good date for themselves. He helps people master their inner world so that they can have anything they want on the outside world. Tyler, welcome back. <laughs> I'm so I'm so excited. Thanks again for the warm welcome here for round two. Yeah. So, um, you know, as I was saying last time, we talked about why habits are integral to everything, whether you're talking about the emotional reactions you have, what triggers you, health, fitness, relationships, like it all comes down to habits, whether they're conscious habits, whether they're like subconscious ones that you don't even realize are a habit for you. Like it all comes down to habits and you know how to change those habits overnight. And so in this episode, we're going to go into what might be the most painful and difficult type of habit, which is trauma. Yes. 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 So, you know, my big thing about trauma and for, you know, to preface all of this whole conversation we're going to have, because I understand my views for uh, some people are a little aggressive. So just for anyone, you know, to have a heads up, I wanted to give you a a fair or forewarning, whatever one you want to pick. Um, but there are some truths that are going to be dropped here that are going to be hard for some listeners to hear. But um, yeah, so one of the biggest misconceptions that I hear about trauma all the time is that, you know, it was because of the trauma that has happened to them at X, Y, Z age, whatever it is. Um, that's why they can't amount to the relationship, the health, the body, the finances, the success in general in whatever area of their life that they want. Um, and it's just not true because what's interesting to me is When people talk about trauma, what they're really saying is when this event happened, I created a meaning out of that. Like automatically, I decided this means X, Y, Z. And that meaning stays with you as a belief for when you go forward. So now you try to get, uh, you try to go on dates. Now you try to get, you know, the best shape of your life. Now you try to do whatever. And I'll give you a couple of examples of how people get held back by the belief that they created, not the trauma. So say, for example... Um, you were harassed, sexually harassed, right? If that was the trauma you had, I have so much compassion and empathy for you know any human being who's gone through anything like that. 
But I do want to say that is not what's holding you back. What's now holding you back is that thing happened and you decided, by the way, unconsciously and very quickly, immediately, several different things. You might have decided men can't be trusted. You might have decided I'm disgusting. You might have decided I'm not worth a great relationship because this happened. You might have decided, um, you know, relationships are painful. You might have decided that people can't be trusted. So many different things. And through working with people, what I've realized is that people have developed so many beliefs around the trauma that happened to them, that it's not the trauma, like the event that happened to you. It's not that that's holding you back from your finances, um, your body, your, your relationship, your health, whatever it is. It's what you decided to believe. So I'll give you a crazy example right off the hop. There was a woman who came to me a couple of years ago who um, she was having really trouble losing weight. And for just like Nicole said, uh, I guess she didn't say it, but she alluded to it. I'm a guy who understands habits, which means getting into your beliefs, your emotions, getting into those things that create the life results that you're getting. But nobody could seem to help her get results. Not a personal trainer, nobody like that. And for the record, I'm not special. I just figured out what makes humans do what they do at a fundamental level. And so she came to me as like a last resort. And she's like, Tyler, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Like you're, you ask your questions, go away. Cause I, like, like go ahead, ask it all your questions. Cause I don't even know where to even begin anymore. I don't know what to say. And so long story made super short. She had lost weight before, gained it back, lost it, gained it back and all this stuff that, you know, the typical pattern people go through. And then I discovered I'm not about, I'm not somebody who's about, you know, going to search your past and say, oh, this is why you are the way you are today. I'll do it for context to kind of understand, right? What I did was I found out she was sexually abused a long time ago um, in her very early teens, complete compassion for her. That's such like a horrible thing. Uh, for someone to have to go through that. But what I realized through asking her some questions, I didn't ask her about how the trauma felt and all that stuff because that's very obvious. It's painful to go through that spiritually, emotionally, physically. What I asked her was, well, what did that mean to you? And she was confused. Like, what do you mean? What did that mean? I'm like, well, what did you decide to believe because of that? I'm like, did you you know, decide this? Did you decide that? And what had happened now, now, now that you have context, long story now shortened, what she was doing with her body the inability to lose weight. She was like, I think she's like 250, 275 pounds. And she wanted to be like, you know, 180. So she had a lot to lose. I didn't help her. By the way, I didn't give her a fitness plan. I did not give her anything to do with nothing to do with nutrition at all. I went deeper into here to figure out what is it that's causing you to do what you're currently doing. And it wasn't just uh, your basic stuff. It went to the fact that she was actually eating more and more and more, more than she could comfortably handle so that she unconsciously could become unattractive to men because unconsciously she had decided that that meant I need to be unattractive so men don't hurt me, so that men don't sexually abuse me. And that's what was happening. And a lot of people don't think, uh, they, they don't think in these terms, even a therapist, you know, they would try to help you with, and by the way, anyone who's a therapist listening to this maybe, or, you know, who, you know, uh, anyone who's seeing a therapist, they have the beautiful, most beautiful intentions. The challenge is that they'll separate, you know, a health problem with an emotional problem, with a financial problem, with like, they separate everything into their own things, but all of these things are integrated. Everything in life starts with your beliefs. We have six different kinds of beliefs and maybe we'll get into them here. Maybe we won't. We'll see what happens, but we have six different kinds of beliefs. And one of them I'll just say is a global belief. So that looks like men are, women are, people are like anything and then is or are right. So relationships are religion is family means, you know, just big generalizations about life or a certain characteristic or group of a thing. And um, we have to understand that like these beliefs are what controlling are all the results. 
So for her, she just decided that equals I better get unattractive so men don't come anywhere near me because I'm protecting myself now. But she went to a therapist and they tried to get her, oh, have you tried this health approach? Have you tried this health approach? And the intentions were beautiful. The therapist had a beautiful heart, but she didn't really understand like, well, why aren't you like, why are you doing this in the first place? Because the woman was like, yeah, I've tried everything. And she did. But then when she started to get results, she would stop. And no one could understand why. She couldn't even understand why. But all I had to do was say, oh my God, you know what you did? You decided this, and this is your way. And she just like, oh my God, had to break down a whole meltdown. But then, you know, I helped her coach, you know, new beliefs in and stuff. And after like a couple months, because it took some time to condition it, get her on the right path. But overnight, the pattern was broken. Just so in case you guys heard uh, the last podcast, I want to explain the pattern is still broken in a second, in a second. But over a couple months, all it took was a couple months. And she was like losing the weight like crazy because that belief had changed her emotions. And those emotions changed her behaviors and the behavior, the behaviors naturally changed her life. Um, something I wanted to say on the, your, the habits get uh, broken in a moment. Something I wanted to say on that just now, everybody says, they tend to say, you know, I, uh, it took me 10 years to quit smoking or it took me 10 years to start losing weight, or it took me 10 years to get into a great relationship, all these things. It's not that it took you 10 years to stop smoking or whatever it is, or to start losing weight. It took you 10 years to get to the moment where you decided to lose weight, decided to stop smoking, decided you deserve a great, whatever it is, but it took only one moment. Like your whole life changes in a moment, but we think it takes long because it's like, oh, well, we tried to stop smoking for 10 years. You know, I, I stopped for six months and I went back on. And I, so we say I tried. Uh, it took me 10 years to stop smoking. Like if you officially stop smoking completely, you might say, yeah, it took me about 10 years, 10 years to, to try to stop smoking. And I would argue with that, like congratulate you. First of all, that's amazing. But I would argue with the idea that it took you 10 years. It took you a moment to actually stop. That's when you made the decision and decision in its Latin roots, by the way, means to cut off from any other possibility and commit to the thing you're choosing. So it happened in a moment where you decided this is my new life. And so it happens in a moment, right? So it literally does happen overnight. Then it just, it's a matter of conditioning these new patterns. Yeah. Like, whoa, <laughs> right there. A hundred percent. No, I mean, that's incredible. And, you know, like just from the fitness and nutrition side of things, like you're a hundred percent on point because one of the first things I ask if I have a one-on-one -on -one client is, okay, so what are like three things that you already know you could be doing to get closer to your goals? And they'll like easily name, well, I should drink less alcohol or I should exercise more or whatever. And then I, so why aren't you doing those things? Because if we don't fix that problem, nothing else I tell you is, is going to do anything because you already know these and you're not. So we have to fix the problem of why you're not doing why, what you already know before nice. any plan I can give you will actually work. And it, it goes deep. Like what's the most common answer? Oh, well, I'm just lazy. Okay. Hold on, hold on, hold on. So I work mostly with single moms, right? And I work with like other people, but it's like people in tough situations. Like they come to me because everything else does it. Like they can't get it to fit into their life. Right. So I'm like, okay, so you're telling me that you're a single mom with two jobs and four kids who hasn't received child support in two years, who, you know, you fit in exercise whenever you can, but on the occasional time when you actually collapse and decide not to, you're lazy. Like what? Like, no, <laughs> so you're an extremely disciplined person. Why 
isn't that, well, let's say habit of discipline in this area of your life carrying over to here. And it always goes deeper, right? Like you said, the beliefs, like the belief that my job is to, you know, just give everything I have to my kids. And if I take this time to go to the gym and leave them with a, you know, a babysitter or in the daycare or whatever, then I'm being selfish or, you know, um, my job is ex- like, if I do this, I'm, I'm depriving them or I'm doing this or I'm being irresponsible yeah. or whatever the case may be, or that's just too much. And that's extreme. And I shouldn't do it because it's extreme. That's one of my favorites. Um, it, it, it is all, it all ties together. It's all the yeah. same thing, whether you're talking about relationships, whether you're talking about fitness, whether you're talking about emotions, smoking, like it all comes down to these core, you know, habits. You know, and absolutely. And one thing I often tell people, because I know the first time I heard all this too, I was like, oh, you know, information overload. I felt like I was drinking from a fucking fire hose. Um, so one thing I want to say too, because I'll say this to some people, all everything you and I are talking about, Nicole, and people say like, oh, so like, I just got to get like really motivated to do this. And I tell, or, you know, I got to get super disciplined. And I'm like, discipline's great. It's fantastic. You really can't get anywhere without it. However, and I feel like I have a however comment for everything that people say. And by the way, this is not me being like, I'm right. I'm still learning all the time. There's just a lot of freaking shit I've learned over the last five years of working with people and from the best mentors I could find. And that is that like discipline will eventually wear you out. Motivation is like a hot bath. Like you, it's nice to have it, but it's motivation is pretty much useless in my opinion. Get motivated for a second, but it's very short lived. Discipline is great, but there's a point where your body gets like physically tired out and it's like, if you're like exhausted, you've had four hours of sleep, the kids kept you up, like kids keep kept you up, you're you know going to work, like you're busy as hell. Super busy mommy coach knows this. We're <laughs> super, super freaking busy. So you're using all of your discipline to make sure everything's done. But then at the end of the day, if you're say watching Netflix and you're like, oh well, I should be going to the gym too, or I should be whatever it is, you're shooting all over yourself. Um, I would tell you it's it's not like motivation is not the problem. Because at that point, your body's physically drained. Like, there's no motivation to do that. But motive does matter. And here's what I tell people all the time. It's not about getting yourself rah, rah, jazzed up. It's literally about associating more pleasure to things that you want to get done and no pain. Because if you feel, say, say the gym, if you feel like going to work out is painful, which, yes, I get the muscles are sore, whatever. I don't mean painful like that. I mean, like, ugh. I got to drive all the way there and then, oh, and then I got to get changed and then, oh, people are going to look at me or they're not going to look at me and I don't like that. Or all these things like you're associating like pain and annoyance and all these different crappy emotions, what I would call like, um, like unresourceful emotions. You're associating all these suffering emotional states to go into the gym. What I'm saying is like, you don't need to be like, oh, I don't like doing that. Oh, I guess I just got to get motivated. I'm like, Okay, that might work the first couple of times, but it's not going to last. Eventually your brain's going to go, that's too effing painful. I'm not going there again. You can't make me, Tyler. And you're talking to yourself in your own head because you're crazy. <laughs> um, I'm talking about like actually using your focus and your beliefs in different ways to say, you know what? Yeah, all those things may be annoying, but like, I'm going to like, I actually do really like this about the gym and I would really like this. And you start associating in your brain more pleasure to doing it and no pain. And now you're not going to need discipline. It's just going to be, you're going to be pulled. Right. I tell people the time you can't like push will wear you out. You have to be pulled to something, which is the only reason for the record. If you guys heard what I said on the first uh, podcast that we did, and for any of the viewers uh, watching this as well, if you watched the last one that we did last recording, I talked about something that I'm not going to give you full away, but I talked about something to do with emotions and how that's not your 
uh, you know, your, what do you call it? Your chemical imbalance, all that. that's not defining you. There's something about that you might want to go check out. But what I tell people is like, you need to understand that this is just like, it's all pattern that you can change, like completely change. And until you realize that like your push is going to wear you out and like, you need to be like, you need to have pleasure associated to these different things. You're never going to change it. Never going to change. You have to actually be pulled in the direction of this or nothing is going to change in that matter. So when you said that people come to you for like, you know, the fitness and different stuff of that nature, it's funny because people always ask me, they say, well, I want to just, I want to know how to change my relationship. I want to know how to change my emotions. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. I can give you the how, but it's not as important because if I give you a screwdriver and you don't use the fucking screwdriver, the screwdriver is pretty useless. So I need to ask you, why would you not use a screwdriver if I'm giving it to you? Because I'm sure other people are giving you screwdrivers that you didn't use. So why is my screwdriver going to be different? Well, it's not. Okay, let's go deeper. What's not? What's making you not want to pick up the screwdriver and go, well, the push is not going to do it. You have to be pulled to want to use the screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's tie this all back into trauma. You know, because there are so mm-hmm. many layers to that. And before we turn on, you know, before we hit record, we were talking about, you know, the same event can be completely traumatizing for one person and not for another. And I can give an example of that, um, a different one from the ones I gave you. So um, Tyler and I were chatting before we turned this on. And I mentioned that there were a couple things for me that should have been traumatizing. That wasn't like, for example, hurricane Sandy. And like, I was, I was telling you, it's like, you know, yes, having my apartment, like everything, like, you know, losing 90% of what I own and having, you know, my condo, which I owned, I couldn't just like go rent another place. Having that, like, you know, had to be gutted to the beams and stuff like that was annoying, but not traumatic to me. Whereas for some people losing a home is traumatic. And I don't know why, because I expected to be traumatized, (laughs) but I wasn't. But meanwhile, there were other things like, um, so my, when I gave birth, um, I had made like complications. Um, we both ended up being okay, thankfully. Um, but you know, I tried for a home birth cause there are no good hospitals near me. And I had a really great like home birth midwife who had run the Brooklyn birthing center, which is like one of the best natural birthing places like ever. And, um, she was retired now doing this kind of like, you know, as a little gig. Um, and yeah, so in the end he wouldn't tuck his darn chin and so he couldn't fit through he wasn't presenting in the right position to fit through and actually come out um and so um you know after like 26 hours of labor she broke my water and had me you know start pushing and he was not adjusting he would not come out and so it was 4 hours wow. of pushing before having to pack a bag get in the car and go to the hospital um and you know in, in a home birth there's no pain relief and so i was using you know um the hypnobirthing method, which is really like the same techniques for those of people who are into mindfulness. It's, it's the same technique you use, whether it's physical pain or emotional pain, where you um, sort of like observe it as objectively as possible to kind of create that separation. Um, for, like, I don't care what language you use, move back into your seat of consciousness. There are like, <laughs> is taught in like 18 million different ways in different yeah. practices. So which, whichever one you like to use in my program, I call it be a scientist, but <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, it's like the same thing over and over. I just, heard teal swan talk about it the other day like um on her youtube channel which people should check out she's awesome but anyway um so the the pain right like that part of it um my mother was traumatized by that and eric's father 
they were traumatized by that. Like when they think about the birth, like, like his father, like Eric's father loves him to death, right? Like he is very much there for him. He's very active. He loves him to death. Um, but he will say like the days when he's like, that was the worst day of my life because he was so traumatized by what I went through. My mother, when like, she'll come to my place. And like, if she goes in through one entrance versus the other, she sees the stairs that I was, as while we were trying to get him to change positions, I was going up and down those stairs two at a time to try to get him in like to move and she'll get flashbacks like, and be traumatized by that. I'm not traumatized. I, I was the one going through it and I'm not traumatized, but do you know what I am traumatized by? That's been a big process. I'm still trying to let go of it. Um, so the, even the C-section didn't go well. Um, <laughs> it's like they effed that up. So the hospital that I wanted to avoid going to, that's where I had to go. And it ended up being like every bit as horrible as I had imagined. So um, yeah, the they ended up having to knock me out. For those of you who don't know, for a C-section, normally it's a spinal. Um, and so you're kind of out of commission from the waist down, but you're still awake. Um, they ended up having to knock me out because I felt like pressure in my chest and then started gasping for air. Like I couldn't breathe. Um, and so they put me under anesthesia. And so here I am to me, like this whole thing, like the birth and everything just seemed so surreal. Like it just, it felt like it was so out of like, there's nothing else like that, obviously that I've ever experienced before. And it just felt like it was, it just always felt like a dream or like it wouldn't be real. So after this whole thing, I woke up and they wouldn't let me see the baby. They wouldn't let me see him. And like, uh, I remember and the, and they're like, not until you can lift both your legs, sweetie. And I wanted to punch that lady. Um, <laughs> and then I'm like, uh, cause I was like, you know, so where's my baby? He's upstairs. Okay. So bring me upstairs. Not so you can lift both your legs, sweetie. Okay. So bring him down here. No, we can't do that. I need to see my baby. Like, are you kidding me? They wouldn't let me in. Like he was fine. I was fine, but they just, they're like, no, you belong in this department and he belongs in that department. And like, Oh no. That was, that was traumatizing to me like yeah. that. And then like this whole surreal. So all of a sudden I wake up and it's like, it was a dream. There is no baby. Everything's the same. It's like, I'm not pregnant anymore. I can't move my legs. But other than that, like what the hell? And it's like this surreal, like crazy experience. And then like six hours later, they later, they bring a baby in and I mean, obviously, like he looked exactly like his dad. I made eye contact and it, making eye contact with your newborn. I don't know if anyone experienced this except me is like the craziest experience ever. It's like a piece of your soul looking back at you. It's like, whoa, freaky. But it was just like, like that was true. And like for most yes. people, like, for a lot of people, that wouldn't be a big deal, right? They'd be like, oh my God, I'm so glad I got the C-section and we were both safe and that was wonderful and it worked out. And like, for me, the whole pain that traumatized other people who witnessed it, not traumatizing, not seeing the baby, traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? Let me ask you before I even go into explaining why, you know, uh, trauma can affect some people and not others. Because a traumatic event is a traumatic event no matter what. So let me be clear on what actually trauma is because I didn't explain this in the last one. Trauma is anything at all that the nervous system perceives as pain. The difference between people who are traumatized like 39,000 years later into the future and those who are fine the second after it happens, they're both traumatized or they both had trauma happen to them. The difference is what we're going to talk about here with you. And I'm curious 
before I even tell the audience what it is to get your response. But it's a certain decision that we make about it, but I'm not going to get into it yet. What did that mean to you when you said you were traumatized about that? What did it mean? Um, not being able to see your baby. That that's what stuck with me. Right. So even all these years later, like that, that stuck with me. Um, it was a big deal and it was hard to let go of. Um, so what, what was the reason? Just, just so, cause I want to show the audience something. So just to give you a couple like examples, did you decide something about that hospital, something about giving birth? What did, what did the experience mean? Because I couldn't see the baby. What was the thing that you attached to that? Um, Do you remember? I don't know if I could, if I have anything like that in mind, but what I do remember is there was this expectation of the moment when you meet your baby, right? And so you go through all of this ordeal and this pain and there's supposed to be this, you know, and then there's the baby and you hold the baby. And so Mm. I was expecting that and I was looking forward to that. And instead I got knocked out with anesthesia, woke up, and there was no baby. It's like we skipped okay. that part, which is the part that you're looking forward to those whole nine months. And so for me, it was just like, uh, I can't even explain it. It was, um, you know, because I feel like if it was just a simple thing of like, well, that's what I wanted and I didn't get it. Like I could get over that. For me, it was this like, like, like some sort of closure on the experience that I had gone through. It just like, it felt yeah. interrupted and just surreal and dreamlike. And so me like, you know, waking up and there being no baby was just like. That makes sense. That makes sense. Cause another, another, another word for meaning, right. Another word for attaching a meaning to something, to an event is a story. Okay. So that, that made perfect sense to what you said. We all have a story in our head. Um, especially in the biology of someone who could have a baby. It's very different. So we all have a story in our head about what something should be like. It's a core expectation we have in life. So another way we can get traumatized is not necessarily that we, like we always attach meanings to things, but you couldn't quite figure out what that was. It was no big deal. But this is what I would do in a coaching session anyway. I'd show them how else it could relate. And when we have a core expectation of how something should be, like we know we're certain that it's going to be in a certain way. And it isn't when that happens, especially when it's a core moment, like giving birth, when life doesn't match the, the way we expect it to be, that is a trauma as well. And so what can happen is we can decide that it means life isn't going to be the same a certain way or just so many different things. But when a core expectation that we have, a really important thing, emotional thing, is not met in reality to what we expected it would be, that can cause the same thing, right? So whether it's a story we create in our head or a meaning or a belief, they're all kind of like one and the same. And so it's interesting you told me that because between the things that were traumatizing to you and the thing that was, I want your audience to hear this, the only difference between trauma that we that affects our lives later on and the traumatizing moments that don't affect our lives in any way at all or sometimes we even become empowered because of them is a decision we make about what that thing meant. So if we decide, and I think I said this earlier in this, uh, this episode here myself, but if we decide that the moment meant like, um, you know, life will never be the same again because, uh, you know, core expectation wasn't met. Or if we decide that, um, you know, because of this, I can't trust all, whatever, whatever it is, you know, I'm making things up. I'm, I'm making things up as I go, but when we decide it has a certain meaning, 
it's that meaning, it's that belief that controls our life. So I would, I would say that you have an unconscious belief about what happened, which is totally fine, right? But that's what ha- that's what happens. And so I'll give you an example of my own life. That I don't even believe I told you yet. So this will be perfect. Everyone's learning it the first time. Mm-hmm. So I'm 25 years old right now. Um, seven years ago, I was 18. That's like the best math I can do. That's why I said it out loud. I'm proud of myself. Um, I had a girlfriend, my first, my first serious girlfriend, and uh, I got her pregnant. And long story, super short, there was a bunch of lying that she did, and um, we decided to miscarry. Or sorry, no, we didn't decide to do that. We decided to abort. She lied about that, and then we miscarried. This is the truth. Not that we decided to miscarry. That would be a weird scenario. And you would think that I'd be traumatized, but even like five days later, two days later, forty minutes later, I was not traumatized because. Anyone listening to me right now, before I say what I'm about to say, take what I'm about to say as a learning lesson of meaning that we attach to things as opposed to Tyler's a fucking asshole, because it might sound like I am. But this is just just my mind automatically as an 18-year-old boy associated this meaning, and this is the reason that I was never traumatized going forward, okay? Not that I was an asshole. This is just the meaning I attached. Oh, my God. This is a second chance at life because of this miscarriage. I'm not going to be a dad. I don't need to raise this child. So everything that I, my core expectation of life went from not matching, just like yours, hence the trauma, to suddenly it matches again. I'm like, oh God, the universe, life, whatever it is, gave me a second chance at my life. So it was the meaning, but I could have also just as easily said, I could have also easily just as put the meaning or the belief on it. Like, you know, I believe like God or the universe or something took that away from me. How dare they take my child away from me, right? So as harsh so you guys are all moms listening to this. So I completely have empathy for however you feel towards what I'm talking about right now, my experience. But I just want to go to show you, this is this is the difference in the meanings that we attach to things. Change the meaning of something and you will change your life. Change the meaning of a traumatic experience you had and you will change your entire life direction. 100%. 100%. Um, there's one thing I want to touch on before we cut off this episode and that's victim mentality. I'm just going to, I'm not even going to ask a question. Go. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got so excited there. So for anyone, anyway, Tyler's choking on his water bottle. (laughs) I got really excited. So I hope you guys, after hearing all this, you decide that you want to get more interested in why I may come off as an asshole, very aggressive or assertive. I just have very strong beliefs and I love helping people. It's my mission in life. I don't want to see anyone suffer because I've suffered so much myself. So victim mentality. Here's what's interesting. I have a saying that I use with my clients. And so hang on to your fucking seats if uh, you get triggered easily. Um, But I always tell people there are no victims there are only volunteers. And what this means is not that, oh, if you were, say, raped or something as a kid, it's not you volunteered for that. No, that's disgusting. You didn't deserve that. No one ever does. That is horrible. That person should be locked up forever, just so we're on the same page here. What I mean by there's no victims, there are only volunteers is kind of what we were saying, you know, alluding to a moment ago, talking about traumas and beliefs and stuff. Say if something bad, whether it's sexual harassment or a paper cut, whatever it is, something bad happens to, say, 10 years ago. 10 years later, When that's completely in your past, if it's still controlling you emotionally, you can't get into a relationship, you can't build your finances, you can't, you know, lose the baby weight, you can't you can't do some something you're feeling you can't do because of that moment. You're volunteering to make the story in your head that I can't do this because of that event, as opposed to no, it's fine. So you're not a victim anymore. 
you're volunteering to make it your story. And I say this because again, I've been through the fact that, you know, when I was 18, I had a miscarriage, all this stuff. And I could have been absolutely devastated, but I didn't stay in the victim mentality of, you know what, like this happened to me. How dare we? And I get into relationships now because, you know, I'm dating and stuff at 25 year old man. Um, I don't get into these things. And when they, when I break up, it's not like, Oh, it's because I couldn't make that relationship work a long time ago. I'm just like, no, this just, didn't fucking work like for other reasons that we're going to talk about in the next episode just to allude to but just to give you a tease and to keep you hooked but it's so it's really understanding like there literally are no victims you have to volunteer to make that your story and the story may be true you know i have you know a hard time getting into relationship nowadays because of this event when i was you know 16 for example I get that, but it's not the event still. It's what you decided to believe about yourself, about men, about relationship. It's the belief that's holding you back still. So you have to volunteer to believe that story. When in reality, I, I think I think it was in the first episode I talked about how we generalize, delete, and distort shit in order to for, in order to come up with the belief that say, for example, men can't be trusted. Say if that's the belief you decided, or women, whoever, whatever it is. If you decide men can't be trusted, you have to generalize about all the men in the world saying men, generally speaking, cannot be trusted. You have to delete the fact there are men in your life right now who can be trusted. Yes, maybe your dad, you're not going to sleep with them. But I'm just saying men in general, generalization, there are men in your life who can be trusted. So now the generalization is pointed out. Your deleted, the d- deleted information is pointed out because you, um, you now have found several references in your environment of men who can be trusted. So those are gone. The distortion is the fact that no, that man probably can't be trusted, but you can trust, you can trust in something larger than yourself. So you're still distorting something on trust. So you have to understand that if you have a belief that's holding you back, you're volunteering to make that your story. It's not who you are, and you are capable of so, 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 so much more. Just to finally say something that sounds more supportive than, oh my God, everything I'm doing is wrong. <laughs> you have so much, you have so much power inside of you and this is going to sound cheesy for a second but i want to show you the other side of me like you are more than what's happened to you you are heart you are spirit something on this life this planet the universe whatever you believe in guys something believed you were enough to give you life like what greater gift could you be given one thing that happens to you is not meant to stop you from living the best life i don't know if you guys believe in god whatever it is but whoever you believe in created you it brought that to you so you could become more to give something back to life you say oh tyler well xyz happened to me so i could you know be more yes it did because life is never happening to you it's happening for you if you can find that empowering meaning or that empowering belief because this happened i will now i now know the pain of being i don't know harassed i now know the pain of being harassed i will never let it happen to me again you raise your standard of your identity because this event happened to you so that can be your story or what was me can be your story the challenge is you get addicted to that story. And we're going to go into that part in the next one. I'm going to let Nicole know that now. <laughs> 100%. Oh my God. And yeah, like, I just hope that everyone listening to this, like the point isn't like, it's your fault that you're having this horrible. Yeah, exactly. But literally like to, to listen to this. And, and I hope that what you take from it is, oh my God, this means that fixing it is 100% within my control. This means that as long as I learn these tools that Tyler is alluding to, I can have, I can create the life I love. I can have a better experience. I can get rid of this. I don't have to wait for the world to do it or for someone else to fix their behavior. I, I can do it. And I hope that like that, like that's an empowering message. It may sting at first to hear that you're 
on whether a conscious or unconscious level causing your own pain, but it's also empowering because that means you can fix it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. One, I Truly one last comment before we get off this. The one thing I want to say in a very compassionate place, um, actually first I'll say the other thing that sounds like a dick thing to say first is, you know, usually the truth punches you in the face before it helps you. Like the truth is going to knock your teeth out and then you can do something about it. But usually the truth does hurt, right? But what I was going to say is that when we can understand that if you're hanging on to a trauma from the past, somebody did something sexually abusive to you, let's say that, if you're hanging on to that and we'll elude how it's meeting your needs and becoming an addiction in the next one. But the problem is that you're now giving power to this person who abused you. And that part in my French, I don't know if you guys are going to censor this or not. If it doesn't, then all right. But that motherfucker now gets to rent space in your mind for the rest of your life because you're letting them. Mm-hmm. And that's where the volunteering comes in hand. You can be like, no, no fucking chance. He's a loser. He's a, whatever other belief you want to put on it. I am X, Y, Z. I'm powerful. I'm more than this. I'm going to make sure no woman has to go through what I went through. And so you don't need to let this person rent space in your mind and emotions to mess up your relationships going forward. That's what I honestly want to say to you guys. I love it. I love it. Um, and on that note, um, thank you so much for being here for people who want to dive deeper into this and learn from you and with you, how do they get in, t- in contact with you? How can they find you? Absolutely. So you can go to my Instagram handle at, at tyler.charlebois, or you can go to my Facebook at Tyler Charlebois. And just so we spelling is clear on that <laughs> C H A R L E B O I S. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you to all of you for listening to the Badass Moms podcast brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. If you are a holistic practitioner or if you're looking for a holistic practitioner, make sure you check out holistictherapiesdirectory.com so that you can share your gifts with the world or find a person in your area who can help you reach your health and fitness and inner personal growth goals. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to Badass Moms. Join us again and get your badass on.